Welcome to our show. I'm Jeffrey Riddle, host of this issue of Industry Insiders, where we bring you thought leaders from the world of luxury, real estate, and development. Today, our guest has decades of success in managing projects and assisting in development of owners' brand initiatives, service amenities for resorts, and luxury lifestyle communities. Her unique strategies and streamlined procedures have garnered her clients a very welcomed increased profitability. She has successfully completed projects in the United States, Europe, and the Middle East. I don't know how she finds the time, but she also speaks to prominent groups on leadership and women's empowerment. I could go on about her, but let's have her tell her own story. You know her name and probably know her work. The Industry Insiders happily welcomes Cassie Smith. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that wonderful introduction. Truly. You are welcome, and we are happy to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Cassie, you've had a long and successful history, and were able to navigate some rough economic times more than once. How is this market crisis different than just a decade ago? Well, Jeff, first of all, a decade ago, uh, that was a U.S. problem. And this is truly global, as we know. So that says a lot about the outcome. Uh, and the time frame of, of how we are going to get back to where we were. This is, uh, 10 years ago, it was driven by banks and governments, and it was not completely transparent to us. All we knew is we, we lost our homes, our companies. And there wasn't a, a lot of clear options to us in sight. It was, I believe, a waiting game and and to see how they were going to resolve it for us. You know, we just sat tight and waited. And for some, uh, some of the states, they still never got back. And this is now 10 years later. So it wasn't, it wasn't a quick recovery at all. So it took the, the government, and I believe it took them forever. They, have, they obviously got, got uh, government-assisted bailout programs in place, and they didn't work. Um, but this pandemic is is pretty transparent to us, even though we've been living day to day to see when it will end. We understand, I think, more now what we need to do individually and as professionals to make that happen. So we've rolled we're rolling up our own sleeves instead of a waiting game. So globally, we seem to be putting our heads together and coming up with solutions pretty quickly. And we are in control of our own planning and options for recovery, along with looking to the government for these assisted programs, which they've already put in place. Because it is global, the government's had to quickly help us. Uh, the hotel and resort business is about positioning, basically. And, and each entity uh, has been hit differently because uh, we look at it as basically an 18 to 24 month recovery, but each each ownership group and entity is looking to how they've basically positioned themselves. How much, how many, you know, how much money or how, what's your capital reserves we have uh, to work with currently. But the good thing I think that I'm seeing is that uh, ownership groups and entities are not afraid to ask for help. So they're bringing in capital partners, developing different types of relationships to help everybody get, get through this time. And I, I truly think we're going to see a quicker recovery personally than what we've anticipated. Interesting perspective. You've been at the forefront of luxury for most of your career, watching and actually setting records. How do you currently view the luxury market? 
Well, Jeff, uh, I think the, the luxury market, obviously, is, as everyone has stated, has come back the quickest. And I think that's for several obvious reasons. And then some of them that aren't so obvious to your, your average American who probably wouldn't maybe be in that and that luxury market. Sectors of it are booming. International destination resorts uh, that can clearly display a, and let me say exclusive level of safe stay are the choice for the affluent. Um, your, your select service or big box hotels are all following the, the same suit on the safe stay initiative and they should be. And, and they're doing everything in their power to communicate that to the, to the Americans. But at the luxury level uh, for the fluent traveler, they're looking for even more. They're looking for more. So popularity of private islands and villas is back. Caribbean has pushed themselves back into the forefront uh, of today's choice of travel because of, frankly, the flexibility they've given us to let us back into the Caribbean as well as the ease of quick travel to the island, you know, not, not 24 hours. So in the air, private aviation and charters are at an all-time high. Um, and that's contrary to what you're typically hearing I, in, in talking to, to your, your, your travelers, your U.S. travelers. They're still under the mindset that they can't go anywhere. But the affluent, they've been traveling, contrary to what you're hearing, through the entire pandemic for the last six months. So, you know, typically, uh, if you have the means, the financial means to go, you can go. So bottom line, I think uh, we will only see this sector grow and grow because of the safety factor that it can afford to deliver it at any cost to that affluent traveler. You know, I've read some things where private aviation and high-end luxury hotels have collaborated, really. And it's almost like you're living in a bubble from the time that you leave your home until you arrive at the hotel. Have you read yeah, about yeah. that? Do you have any comments on that? There's been a few articles out. There is some really unique programs that different brands have put out. One of which I think you may be speaking of is it's a, it's a booking where they, yes, they tie in private aviation and you'll book out the entire boutique hotel or collection of villas, let's say, at a resort for an entire large group. So now uh, you're feeling that these are peers, these are people that maybe you see weekly, daily, on a daily basis, but you're, you're feeling a comfort zone amongst people that you, you have interacted with and they're booking out the entire property and they're booking out a private plane to travel, have them all travel together on. So it's a curated, I look at it, it's a curated experience. So they're trying to be really creative about bringing group travel back because right now in the forefront, the biggest concern for these hotels, U.S. hotels, is, is, group, uh, is group travel. The convention, the conventioneers, the conventions, the, the group business travel still uh, we, we're not seeing when that's going to come back. And that's affecting these large big box hotels greatly. That's what they, they gear their business around now today. I live in Las Vegas, as you know, and one very prominent hotel here has canceled all events through 2020. Yeah. 
That's a yeah. that's a that's pretty sad. Let's go on to the next question. More than ever before, markets have seen an increase in consultants and entrepreneurship, especially now from pandemic job losses and the ease with which you can start a business. If I had a multi-million dollar project, I would want the best consultant I could get. How would I distinguish an obvious pro like you from a rookie? Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that. I, I truly feel there is an overabundance of qualified talent currently on the market. It, it amazes me. Uh, however, I think that truly we have to look at uh, value. And you bring up a very good point. And, and this isn't just me saying this. I mean, I've heard this on several Zoom panels. We really have to look to value when we're hiring a, a consultant firm or a, a sole consultant. So what value do you bring to the table um, as a key consultant? This is what ownership groups and, and developers putting up projects should be looking at. Also, being a consultant is usually something you arrive at uh, after a tenured career performance. Um, I think that that's how I've looked at it. I've earned the right after 30 years to be a top consultant, and I truly am confident that I can deliver. And you, and you ask these questions as an owner. What level of valuable experience do you bring to the table? What have you done in your past? How long have you been in the industry? Who have you worked for? And, in, and at what level, what capacity? So these are the questions I would ask if I was an owner looking to hire a consultant. And I think truly because of the amount of out-of-work individuals, um, it's very easy, like you said, to put a website up and be a consultant and say, I'm offering my service. But to get a value, you've got to have a valuable consultant. That you're going to hire. I'm a fan of some of these uh, real estate uh, shows on TV. And there was one young man who was talking to a developer about uh, being the real estate uh, lister for a $45 million property. And he got stumped with a question, have you ever listed and sold a property of this size before? And at that particular time, the interview was pretty much over. So I imagine yeah. that's something like you were talking about. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good example of a, a bad scenario, how, how it goes against you. But yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much what I'm talking about. And I think, that, I think that I've been a consultant since 2006 when I sold my, la my last company and I looked at myself. Obviously, I went to work for, for, a, for JLL for a short time, but, but I did not take on a role as a consultant until I really feel that I got there. And I was in the industry a good 10 years before I did that. So I knew walking in that I could deliver an abundance of experience on a lot of levels to be a real value. And that's what I think a good consultant should, should do. 10 years in, in any industry is almost a lifetime anymore with as many job changes that people have. Correct. Let's go on to the next one. Nobody would disagree about the devastation in most markets. Some business sectors crashed and others barely survived. However, sooner than we realized, there does seem to be a bright light at the end of the tunnel. In your opinion, what sectors do you think will return the fastest and what should be their focus for the new normal? Yeah, that's a good one. A year ago, and I've been reading a lot of white papers and news briefs uh, about from like CBRE and some of the 
the top real estate firms in the in the world. And, and they're basically giving their opinion on the different asset classes and who's low, who's high, who's going to come back the fastest. A year ago, office, and, and I was reading one from just this morning from 2019, exactly a year ago. And it was completely opposite from today. So a year ago, office and hotel were at a high. They were at the top of the list of performing asset classes, along with retail. But those three are now at the lowest. So, and it, it's completely unfortunate. Um, industrial is one of the highest and, and won't go into that. But because of government programs kicking in, been a lot of help to hotels, uh, office, and retail to stay afloat so far. Uh, in the hotel and multifamily industry, I truly believe we're figuring it out quicker than anticipated. Although Q4, we're going to still be very stagnant. And I think everybody is hoping for 2021 Q1, we'll see some, some big changes. But um, multifamily is strong for many reasons, and I'm not going to take the time to elaborate on them. But I lump them both, I lump both hotel and multifamily, in my mind, into lifestyle. And multifamily has clearly partnered their strategies around experience this work-live environment creating those spaces, as well as an abundance of, of amenities they can offer in a property is truly a hospitality mindset. So because of this, like the hotel industry, they're focused on clean and safe ways of living and staying at properties. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a similar, it's a similar mindset. The work-live spaces being created are more popular than ever, of course. And Hotels are also creating similar environments. You can work the property, you can work in your hotel room and stay there in a clean environment. And then, you know, in the multifamily, you can obviously where you live, you can work and you feel secure and comfortable. But going forward, uh, I think, and this is very interesting because this has taken a turnaround. The focus has gone from clean stay to technology. So, all of the panels I've been listening to of top industry professionals, and I'm going to be speaking on one soon, but going forward, their focus has got to be on technology and digital engagement because we're on our computers. We are on the, you know, we are all engaging digitally. So we're still creating the experience, but communicating it and delivering it through these initiatives is what's going to be in the forefront. So the state's say initial is focused now around how we can effectively use technology to make the experience of, let's say, entering your room and using the property amenities without feeling cumbersome. You know, people want to feel secure and their, their personal experience engagement is like you said, they want to feel safe in their own bubble. I was listening to a Zoom panel by Hotel Optimization and they focused all this around this. And especially in the luxury sector, they had a very, very good point. The affluent guest does not want to stand in front of their guest room door and fumble with their phone to pull up an app to try to enter. They're tired. They want to get to the spa. So this is one of the challenges. And, and you had a, I had heard a very diverse amount of opinions on it, but it, it's true. It's got to be seamless. It's got to be something simple to navigate. So how do we navigate through all of this and still deliver a five-star experience? 
So that that's a focus on the on the luxury level. But going forward, it's definitely going to be technology driven, and then digital communication, client the the engaging your guests digitally constantly, much more than even before, with email communication and and focusing on what their expectations are going forward. I do want to add, I mean, we've always looked at the, ex- the words experience has been paired with face-to-face, okay, tactile. And this is what the challenge is. I mean, everything we're hearing tonight, right now is about experience travel. It has been for the last few years. But how do we effectively do this now when you're not face-to-face with the person delivering that service? So that, that's, that's the big challenge. That is a very, very important question. I am someone who is very tactile. Having to do face-to-face on a computer, for me, just not the same. That question I'd like to see answered by somebody in the hospitality industry. I'm going to have to keep that in the back of my mind. You've led several successful businesses over the years and a stint as a VP with one of the biggest construction and project development companies in the world. Although KSL Global Consulting is a new name in the industry, with your background and expertise, you could hardly be called a rookie. Tell us, what is the focus of your new company? Very simply, Jeff, I started KS Global as a result of the current market. I did not drive KSL Global because of a need to want to just create another brand. I put a lot of thought into this as I was hunkered down over like the rest of the world over the last, let's say four to six months and how I was going to place this brand. So while I've had three, you know, very successful businesses in the last 30 years of my career and and a stint with a very reputable global real estate development company as JLL, I've, I've learned something different and taken something different from each one of them. But I truly think that I understand and have my finger on the pulse of what the key to owners and developers is and what they are looking for. And now going forward more than ever, it's going to be about value, flexibility with fees and services, and assisting owners to get their projects back on track. And those are the three things, Jeff, that I focused on with developing this KS Global brand. So, well, I feel I personally bring a huge value in my career path, and I've always over-delivered to my clients. But I've brought together some pretty, pretty senior consultants and, and professionals who are currently very successful and very relevant in today's market. So they're doing work and very busy still now trying to get back on track. But they, we all agree that we focus on the same initiative. So we're rolling up our sleeves coming up with solutions, and not just delivering bids. We're all of the same mindset, and that's, that's to help. So I truly believe as a senior professional that we should be doing this in time of distress. We've seen success, and we've seen times of distress. But it's time for us, if we've been in the industry and we've, we've obtained a certain amount of success ourselves, it's time that we give back and help. And that's what I feel as a, as a senior professional. That should always be in the back of your mind. Some owners already had projects started when the pandemic hit. Stopping and starting again could be costly or impossible. 
What are the core values you possess as a consultant to help owners keep projects moving in a crisis? Through my career, Jeff, I've always had the mindset of a few key values, my own value system, and it's uh, made me very successful. I believe one in developing a partnership with my ownership group, stakeholders, and developer. As they say in the business, we call it owner-centric. Now, some people don't think that's good. I, however, have been very successful at it. So I'm 100%, I put 100% of the ownership's best interest in mind and consulting good and bad along the way. And that's what I've done. It's been successful for me. And it's always gotten me my next project with the same owner. I over-deliver. So I feel that we can all achieve success for our client and ownership group if we put the right processes in place and we completely focus on a project. So I personally will spend as much time or overtime as needed to keep a project on track. That's been my key value that I've maintained over the last almost 20 to 30 years. And it's, it, again, it's been very successful and I've, been, uh, I've had a lot of accolades from clients about that. I always try to be a value-add consultant. I know we've talked a lot about good and bad and consultants, if they're ready to be a consultant and what's a good type of, what's a good consultant to offer. I think you have to be a value-add consultant. That would be, you know, like we referenced, what can I bring to the table? And through years of experience, you should be able to come up with as also a visionary along with, as a partner, to the ownership group. What can what else can make them money? They some what else can I can I offer that maybe they haven't thought of? So I think that's what truly expels a value-add consultant. I've done that. I've had several projects where I have done that. I've made event venues out of around pools that they never thought of, and it's all about the ROI. So I think that that's really important. Motivate your team is another one, and really I think is another really important to do. I don't ever feel that I drive my team, but I try to motivate them and keep them excited and passionate about the end result. And that is going to make them completely and personally and emotionally invested in the project they're working on. So positive emotion drives success. And I truly believe that. You know, that is a perfect segue into our next question. On every podcast, Zoom call, or webinar, the pandemic and the problems created for service providers are front and center. Their concerns for their own company and survival is understandable, but what aren't we hearing from the service providers to help owners and brands survive? I mean, that's a very good question. And the one thing that I've not heard since the beginning, since say March and April, there was always the question in the forefront of your conversations with clients that have put projects on hold or or had to cancel or now had to delay a start has always been, how can I help? What can I do to help you? I've already been contracted or you're looking to contract me when the project starts. So what can I help you do to get this back on track? And that's what I think that I have seen less and less of. 
And I, I know that uh, suppliers are trying to reduce, they're trying to reduce costs on materials, doing what they can. But really, it's how can I help? That's always the question. And, you know, sitting in on a lot of these uh, marketing discussions, that, that's really what the direction has been. Call your clients. Ask them, what can I do to help? So we're hearing that less and less, and that's kind of discouraging to me. But I'm hoping that the mindset is still there. I know it is with Chaos Global. Well, you will be in the forefront of asking that question. And I'm not, I'm not really sure if there's a lot of people who are of that mindset. Right now, they're trying to survive. Asking somebody how they can help is probably not something that crosses their mind too often. Tried and true marketing may be a thing of the past. And who knows what will work now? You have new initiatives. You've discussed their marketing campaign. What are they? And are they developed for the current market? Uh, yes, Jeff, they are. And I think you, anybody would be remiss if they didn't change their business plan to obviously adhere to what the current market is because, you know, we've got to uh, figure out what it's going to look like going forward. And it's going, to, it's going to be different. My initiatives, there is a few initiatives that I have put in place. And really, they're all about helping to resolve, helping to resolve problems coming up with solutions. But I think that mainly it's uh, my platforms that I've put out there are for other high-level professionals talking about what they've learned and mentoring so there is a successful future in place. So I guess what I'm saying is taking what you've learned and as a, as a professional that's been in the, in the industry for several decades, and you should be able to now turn it into how do we take what we know? I'm going to tell you about what I've learned in the past and how am I going to adhere now to the current market? So some of the initiatives, I have a foundation in the works, uh, focus groups, obviously podcasts, but we obviously we want to put panels together and or, or just hear, listen to individuals talk about what they're experiencing and but what their suggestion is and how they're going to go forward in the current market. So I think that's, that's important. I think that people are already doing that. Uh, I think we all uh, love to listen in on all these panels. But my initiatives are the same, but it's all going to gear around um, mentoring, helping, and also some of these younger individuals who are just in the market, who find themselves out of work, who now want to be consultants. They want to hear how to do it. So I think it, my initiatives are really geared around that. And then coming up with some options and programs, putting them in place which with uh, reduced fees, being very flexible on structure of services. Those are some other things that can directly help clients get projects back on track. I am a uh, big fan of experience. And there's really no replacement for it except going through it yourself, whether it be the ups and downs, successes and uh, failures. Do you think that someone who's new to the consulting business has an advantage of not having all of those past failures and whatever? Or do they not have a platform on which to build their business? Honestly, truthfully, I don't, I don't think they have an accurate platform to build a good business. I think, I think you need to have success and failures. Uh, we need to go up and down. You need to feel it all 
to definitely be a good consultant if that's kind of what you're talking about. Because I think those experiences, like I said prior to this, uh, you're going to learn and grow from each one of them, each success and each failure. And as a, as a true valued consultant to any large ownership group or, or any client, that's what you can bring to the table. And to, to be a true mentor to the up and coming, that's what you bring to the table for them to learn from. I think you're right because in, in, I just have to say in most of the conversations that I've heard that hospitality is sticking with the uh, service providers that they've had for years. They're not looking for the newbie. They're looking for someone that they can trust. They look for someone who can deliver and someone they've done business with before that they know all of those things are true. I think you're right. I think uh, developers, owners in, in, all, in all asset classes uh, that are putting up projects, I think they're looking for options. And they know that um, this is a good time to do it. They know they have the leverage to do that. So, so in, in this time of distress, you know, where everyone is looking to get back to work, um, owners and developers are putting up projects or trying to get projects back on. They're wheeling and dealing. And, you know, if you were smart as someone who's been working for an ownership group, then you'd, you'd offer some new solutions. You come up with some reduced fees and, and be a little bit more flexible. But it's true. They're now searching out new people to work with who are a little bit more flexible. So you're, you're absolutely right on target. So who's determining the flexibility, the service provider or the buyer? Well, I think the buyer's asking for it, the client is asking for it, and now it's up to the service provider to provide it and come gotcha. through. But I think it's got to be a little bit structured. I think that they should have already, six months ago when this started, started putting, some, putting a plan in action for some programs to go back and help old clients to say not just how can I help, but they can say, look, I want to help. And this is what I've, this is some of the programs I've put in place to allow you to, to, to help you. And I'm also flexible to make some changes to them if you need. Very good. Very good. I'm kind of curious about something. Um, do you, would you say that some of the bigger companies have pretty static platforms where yours is a little bit more flexible where they would be described as trying to turn around the Titanic, where you can pivot almost immediately if you find something that's good on behalf of the company? Well, ironically, my last project before the pandemic, I referred to it as, because it was such a huge project, very old renovation, I told the ownership group, you do realize this is like turning around the Titanic. And they agreed. <laughs> because there were a lot of challenges on that project, I actually loved it and embraced it. The, the more challenges to me, the better, because, because I have that mindset that I'm determined to succeed. And I, I honestly, we were on the path to do so until the project got put on hold because of COVID. I truly do believe that you have to have your own core values. You have to come up with your personal process and procedures 
Um, if you're working for a company or the, in a consulting group, you're going to work within a team and there's going to be team structure. But you also have to hold yourself accountable to, for your own value system, your attention to detail, how passionate you are about, about the project, and your focus. Being focused, you, you can't be leveraged on too many projects at once. You have to be. And I try to keep my team focused on one specific project at a time or if they are uh, leveraged on two or three, I watch closely that they can still do um, an accurate job for that ownership group. And I think that that's what I see in the industry the most, uh, especially at our busiest, most lucrative times in the construction industry and real estate development. As companies, as company owners, we tend to uh, I don't try to do that, but uh, they try to uh, overwork their team, you know. So anyway. Sounds like they've got them juggling plates. Correct. Is there anything else that we need to know, Cassie? You have you have given us some incredible answers to uh, obvious questions, uh, answers to which I have not heard before. So I'm glad that we had this interview. What What's the one thing that people need to know about you? You personally. Well, I think the one thing that everyone said about me and I truly feel is passion. It's to a fault. I'm passionate about any project I do, any owner I work for, uh, any nonprofit I try to raise money for, or, or at any initiative that I start rolling. I'm very, I think passion drives me. So I think um, I'm passionate about anybody I work with, partners, teams, I feel that that's one thing that owners have and clients have said have said about my my work performance, and I honestly embrace that. I don't ever want to lose that because without that, I don't feel it that I can do a perfect job and make my clients and owners successful. And that's what I think I want to walk away with. Well, I think that the answers that you gave us, I think the passion in your answers was obvious. So that was a good way to to end our interview. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us at Industry Insiders. And we look forward to having you back again, if that's okay with you. Sounds great, Jeff. Thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody.